Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jessica Holmes. Today, we look quick behind us at Betrayed. Stories of Etu Brute, our backstabbing March 2012 theme. First up, then down on stage, the fabulous Whitney Rierick, who is double-crossed by the system within. Also tough. One and a half stories. Hi, my name is The Fabulous, and uh, not really. And I'm about to tell you about how in my 20s I started to really hate my guts. So um, when I was a kid and when I was a teenager, I was super healthy. I never missed a day of school. My mother wouldn't allow it. She was a, a school teacher, and I had to be on my deathbed to get out of school. I'm sure some of you are like that. And, um, and so I just got used to powering through any kind of illness. And so by the time I hit my 20s and I started getting seriously sick, it didn't even occur to me to slow down. By then I was living in Moab, Utah, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with because this is an outdoor town. And, and when I was there and I was in my 20s, we were mountain biking, we were climbing, we were rafting, we were kayaking, we were having parties. It was great. And so I was getting sick, but I was just powering right through. It was great. Why would I stop? There was so much fun to be had. So, when I start, so what I figured was if, if anything was going to happen to my body... It would come from outside of me. It would be, you know, when I'm, when I'm mountain biking and I pitch off a cliff down 2,000 feet to my fiery death or, or a, a sandstone boulder is going to come off of a cliff and land on me in my tent or I'm going to get sucked to the bottom of the mighty Colorado as I'm paddling in my kayak and make a wrong turn. But no, no, the pain actually came from inside of me. From about right here just a couple inches above my belly button. And, uh, and I'm just going to stop for a second in the story and tell you guys, sometimes when I talk about this, people get the sort of eyes, the pity eyes, the sort of cross between a puppy dog and Richard Simmons. You know, kind of like, oh. You can go ahead, and uh, I, I thought I wasn't going to be able to see you because it would be dark, but I can, so... <laughs> It's a daylight saving time. So, you know, make whatever fees you want, but don't do the pity thing, okay? Because for a couple of reasons. One, it was 20 years ago, and, uh, and I'm over it, so you should be too. And then the other thing, <laughs> the other thing is that one of the things I want to do with telling this story is I want to start talking about illness and the healthcare system a little bit, have a real conversation without us putting those sort of like, oh, poor you things on there. So go ahead and laugh because parts of it are kind of ridiculous. So, so anyway, so back to uh, this best healthcare system in the world, and oh, back to the pain. That's where I was, the pain. So, um, you guys have seen that movie, that science fiction movie, when the alien comes out of the person's belly, and he's got like an impossible number of teeth and claws and stuff. That's kind of what it was like. So it's like reaching out of me, and everybody's running away. And so I'm powering through, though, because I've got to ride my mountain bike and paddle my kayak. And, and meanwhile, the pain is just growing. I'm having these attacks pretty regularly. And, and finally, it's starting to interfere with my fun. And also, FYI, being in extreme pain, it's kind of a buzzkill for your friends. 
So, you know, so, so finally, I'm like, oh, I guess I better see the doctor. And at first, I didn't have any. I, at first, I had health insurance. But then I was a river guide, and they don't pay those people anything, let alone insure them. So, so I didn't have any health insurance. And also, I had a couple other strikes against me besides not having health insurance. I was blonde. I was young. I was female. I lived in a rural state, Utah, and uh, in a rural area of Utah. And Utah is a bootstrap state where you're supposed to be able to just figure out everything, right? You're supposed to be able to do it on your own or rely on the members of your family or church or anything. So you're supposed to pull yourself up no matter what. So there weren't a lot of services for me. But I, it was the best healthcare system in the world, so I kept going to the doctor. There was doctor, <laughs> there was doctor after doctor, um, doctor visit after doctor visit. Um, tests were made, terms were thrown around, and after a while, fingers were pointed. And so with that, diagnosis one. Diagnosis one. I've forgotten what diagnosis one was. <laughs> Stage fright. Um, diagnosis one. Uh, what was it? A parasite. Hey, well, haven't you been sterilizing that water? What's your problem? Diagnosis two. Doctor number two. Pelvic inflammatory disease. Pelvic inflammatory disease is caused by an STD almost always. How many partners have you had? Keep in mind, I'm in Utah here. So... <laughs> I don't even think about that. Anyway, sorry, that was an accident. But <laughs> Diagnosis three, lactose intolerance. Lactose intolerance. The doctor, as I walked out of the exam room, patted me on the ass. He said, stay away from dairy products. <laughs> I should have slapped him. It's one of the great times in my life when I regret not hitting somebody. So, um, <laughs> diagnosis four, Montezuma's Revenge. Only I'm actually in Thailand, and I'm on a little beach in a palapa, or whatever they call it in Thailand, and, and I'm in pain. I'm, like, crawling to the porta potty, all this stuff. And, um, and uh, so they finally truck me out to the center of this, this tropical island, and the guy says... Well, he pantomimes, because I don't speak Thai, and he doesn't speak English. And he pantomimes, you tourist, you can't eat Thai food. Take these pills. Diagnosis five, cholelithiasis, otherwise known as gallstones, which is usually, by the way, a disease of people who are fat, female, and 40. And I was young, skinny, and, <laughs> and 22. So... But it turns out that it's one of the, the things, the complications of being on the pill for a long period of time. So what do you do? You're on the pill for so long. So at this point, you're probably saying to yourself, why does she keep going to doctors? She's getting nowhere. Because meanwhile, the pain is getting worse and worse. And I'm still powering through, right? I'm still going out there. I'm mountain biking. I'm kayaking. I'm having fun. And I'm getting to know porta potties. I'm getting to know outhouses. I'm getting to know bushes. I'm getting to know trees. I got my best friend, the trowel. <laughs> but the reason is simple it's the best healthcare system in the world, right? Right? So I keep powering through, but, but I still, during this time, it's, you know, two or three years here, 
I did experiment, because I am, after all, living in Moab, Utah, where a lot of people have embraced alternatives to the mainstream, right? And this includes alternatives to the medical mainstream. So I tried things like herbs and Ayurveda and things like rebirthing. And I'm going to do this as a favor to Jessica. Because <laughs> she wants me to reenact the rebirthing. And as I've mentioned this to other people, they're like, well, what, what the heck is rebirthing? And apparently, according to these people, you know, when you're born, it's like the most traumatic thing that has ever happened to you, right? So because it's the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you, you want to relive it. <laughs> and you want to relive going through a dark place really fast or something. Or sl- I don't even know. So anyway, so what they do is they have you lay on the floor, kind of like this, and they proceed, they tell you to hyperventilate. So you go, and everything goes dark, and your hands start to cramp because you're not getting any oxygen to your head, and this, for some reason, is a good thing. So anyway, thank you. I'd like to... Say I'm the first person to lay on the floor at Story Story Night. You could be next. So anyway, so rebirthing, that didn't work. Um, and I remember one time I was, uh, I was on a river trip, and I'm in my tent, and, and uh, I'm taking, I've got this tincture of herbal something, and it's really nasty tasting. I'm try- taking dropper full after dropper full of this nasty herbal stuff, and I'm like, oh, in pain. And I'm thinking, why, why, why didn't I bring something like, say, painkillers, you know, <laughs> why an herbal tincture? Um, but by far the worst thing that ever happened to me with this, this which is a, it's a different medical system, I suppose. It's a lot cheaper than the best healthcare system in the world, um, but it's also a lot less uh, tested. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, um, <laughs> so by far the worst thing that anybody said to in that part of it was was they said to me, you know, if you have problems in your abdomen, that means you haven't dealt with your family issues. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like 24 years old. Who has dealt with their family issues at 24 years old? I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, so back to the best healthcare system in the world. We're on, what is it, number, number six? Okay, number six. I just keep blanking on, on which one it is. Oh, we got the gallstones. Anyway, so, so, oh yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. That's my manager. So anyway, so, so by this time, things are pretty bad. So I go over to uh, the big city of Grand Junction, Colorado to see a specialist. And yeah, I tell him my symptoms. He's like, oh, this is serious. You know, it sounds like you have an adhesion. Like, oh, adhesion. So adhesion is, is scar tissue. And scar tissue happens inside of you when you have a surgery. And he's like, have you ever had surgery? I'm like, no, I've never had surgery. He goes, are you sure? Have you ever had an abortion? I'm like, no, I have not had an abortion. And he says, are you sure? <laughs> so, yeah, silly me. <laughs> so... <laughs> So let's review. 
So um, I'm, I'm poisoning myself with the pill and dairy products and, I, uh, and, and Thai food, apparently. And um, I'm drinking the wrong kind of water. And, I'm, and, and I've had a secret abortion that I didn't even know about. Apparently those aliens really are in my body. Who knew? So anyway, so, so things are looking bad for my innards. I've got just a whole list of bad stuff in there. And finally, diagnosis seven comes. And this is the big one. So um, I had driven across country with my boyfriend for a wedding in upstate New York. And we came back, and it was actually I was in a lot of pain during the whole time. So we, we get back, and I spend the first night after this wonderful meal, I spent the, this first night back in town basically in a fetal position in the bathroom, getting to know the toilet really well. And uh, I didn't sleep all night, I was really sick. And, um, and, I, uh, and the next morning, and if any of you have ever had a job where you have the morning shift and you can't make it because you're sick and you start calling people, yeah, if you're one of those people who also works those shifts, you know what you do. You don't answer the phone when it rings, right? <laughs> So nobody's answering the phone because they know what's coming. So I have to go to work. It's my breakfast shift at the, at the jailhouse cafe in Moab. And so, so it's 5.30 in the morning, and I'm down there doubled over, and I go in. Anyway, finally, I, uh, I, uh, the manager finally shows up, and I, and I go over to the emergency room, and they give me a new diagnosis. And not only do I have... You know, a, you know, stones in my in my gallbladder. Not only do I have, you know, adhesions from secret abortions I didn't even know about, but I also now have a bad appendix apparently. So, so the doctor says, you know what? I don't think it's exploded yet, but I I, I want to know when it does. And we can't get you into surgery until this evening, so we're not going to give you any painkillers. So just kind of hang out for a while. If that thing explodes, just scream, let us know, and we'll pull you in for emergency surgery. So I'm like, oh, okay, but I don't care. I'm like, sweet, it's finally, you know, okay, this sounds dramatic enough. Maybe we'll take care of it. Get whatever that stuff is out of me. So, um, so I go into the surgery that evening. Next thing I know... I'm being loaded into an ambulance late at night, and I'm being taken to the big city of Price, Utah. And uh, when I'm there, and here's how I visualize it happening with a doctor back in Moab. I think he, he kind of cut me open. He's like, all right, appendix, cool. And so he opens it up. And my appendix looks great. And everything on either side of my appendix is just blah, gnarly. Blah. So, so he screams. <laughs> <laughs> Tapes me shut. Slides me in the ambulance, and I go up to Price, Utah, where they open me up and take a foot of my small intestine, a half a foot of my large intestine out. It's still there, if you ever want to visit the landfill. I don't know where it is. But so, uh, so anyway, so they, they threw around a couple of possi- possible actual diagnoses, and... Um, and uh, my dad flies out from Massachusetts. He's got, he comes with a sheaf of printouts from this newfangled thing called the Internet, um, uh, trying to help me figure out what the heck is going on. So after I was there for about a week in the hospital. But after a few days, the doctor, Dr. Fang, <laughs> true story, Dr. Fang comes in, and he's got his clipboard. He's looking like a doctor because he's a surgeon and he's a doctor. And so he comes in, and he says, we think we have a diagnosis. And I'm like... Wow, another one. That'd be eight, right? So, so he comes in and he says, "We think we think you have Crohn's disease." 
And I look over at my dad, who's standing next to my bed with his sheaf of papers. And I lean over and I high-five him. And the doctor, Dr. Fang says, no, 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 this is serious. This is not curable. You're going to live with this for the rest of your life. And we look at him and we say, yeah, we know. We have this sheaf of papers from the internet. And I'm like, nah, you see, it's not my fault. I, it isn't. All these years I've been thinking I'm drinking the wrong water. And, and it turns out, after all, I'm not a slutty camper who drinks too many milkshakes. <laughs> so anyway, so, so that, was the, that was the good news. I have this incurable disease. And then... <laughs> And so, flash forward to last year, and last year, you guys might have heard, there's this thing called the Affordable Care Act from, um, from the Congress and, and President Obama that was to, sought to help people like me, and, you know, the rest of you who have health, <laughs> just pretty much everybody. So, um, so uh, the, the Idaho legislature was trying to nullify the bill, which is something, I won't get into the details about it, but they were trying to say, screw you. Affordable Health Care Act. We don't need that in, in Idaho. So I went to testify about it. And, uh, and I told a little bit about my story, not in quite graphic detail like you guys got. But, so I, I told my story, and, uh, and the, the sponsor of the bill was standing outside the, the hearing room after it was heard. And I went up to him, and I said, Representative Barbieri, what do you think that people like me, and at the time I, I was uninsured, and, and I said, uninsured people with chronic conditions, what should we do? Because if, if you block this act, it really removes a lot of options for us. It really helped us a lot. What, what should people like me, what should we do? And he looks me in the eye, and he says, go to the hospital. Now, dear Barbieri, I did that. I already tried that back in Utah. And guess what? That week in the hospital at that time, that cost the state, the taxpayers of Utah wound up uh, through a bunch of strange things. They covered it, weirdly, for about $35,000. Now, in today's dollars, I'm pretty sure that would be half a million bucks because I was in the hospital for about a week. So when I hear about this, I take it deeply personally. And so... I, I think about this a lot, about how, you know, you can rail on about socialism. But for me, it's not about socialism. It's about me and my freedom. And I take care of myself, and I try to eat right, and I take my meds even when I have to pay for them out of pocket. And you can rail on about socialism, but it's about me. And it's about, I know what I have now, and that's a great gift. And I can manage it. And all I'm asking for is a little help. And uh, anyway, thanks. Just so you know, your fly's open. Also, awkward, cringeworthy stories. Our special tribute theme to David Sedaris and our second birthday is coming up on April 30th. Limited advance tickets are available now at storystorynight.com. These $7 seats allow you in at 6 p.m. on show nights, before door tickets go on sale at 6.30 p.m. for only $5. Now, our Story Slam winner, Josh McDonald, beguiles the gullible in the brood. All right, so um, the story takes place in a time where I was living with my parents, which is one of the proudest moments of my life. Um, 
that was after, like I moved back with my parents. You know, which you never want to do is like 18 years old, I'm out of here, and it's like knock on the door, hey, can I come back? <laughs> Humbling moment. Um, so I moved back in with my parents after a, uh, a betrayal of roommates, which is for another time. Um, but moved back in with my parents, just me, my parents, and my brother. He's a younger brother, it's another Cain and Abel story, so thank you for uh, prepping the room here. Um, the only thing is my younger brother is uh, Sylvan, which means like, you know, wood dwelling. He likes to be among the bushes and the critters. <laughs> and so, and so, which is fine because I didn't have to share much room. He preferred to camp out in my parents' backyard for the last two months living with them, which was cool. You know, Lord knows, well, I know what he did back there if, you know. <laughs> you know listening to uh, his favorable music, burning incense, and doing whatever else requires locking the tent door with a suitcase lock. (laughs) But, uh... And so, in this stretch of time where I got to uh, be fortunate enough to live back with my parents, he liked to do what was called patrolling. And uh, that is, no, no matter what time of year it was, Uh, That was when he, which at this particular time was, I believe, December, um, he would like to get all bundled up and take my dearest family dog that's been with us for many years, uh, rest in peace, but Bronson would love to go on walks with him or patrols. And this, uh, he would, my brother would bundle up, he would leash up the dog, and they would go on a walk right in the middle of the night, and then he would get to the corner, let my dog roam free, because nobody, you know, nobody's driving at that time of night, and then my brother would do his extracurricular activities, getting altered, um, and, and then dog would just kind of go free. And so uh, he's like, you know, you want to join me? And I was like, no, I'm going to hold down the home base here and watch TV. <laughs> and uh, my parents weren't home, so it was just, I was just hanging out. So he departs, and uh, he goes and does his thing. Well, it's getting kind of late, later than it was already, and... Uh, it's about two hours, two hours pass, and I was like, that is quite a patrol. Like, <laughs> I think he's setting up the, like, a neighborhood or a 83616 patrol. Um, and so, you know, finally I'm getting kind of worried, a little concernicus, and the dog, all of a sudden I hear this little scratching at the door. And so I go, I answer the door, and the family dog, Bronson, kind of just saunters in, as in, like, you know, hey, good to see you again, kind of just goes past me. <laughs> And so I keep the door open, and I look out the door, and my brother's yet to be found. So I was like, all right, interesting turn of events. This, is, this could be funny. Um, so I close the door and go back to watching TV. Well, another half hour passes, and now I'm really concerned. So I bundle up, and I go out into the night. And um, it was in a, like a nice little neighborhood. I turned the corner, and straight down, you have a view of the main road, which was Edgewood. And... Uh, and so I'm gradually making my way to Edgewood, and within a block, I can start hearing shouts and screams, uh, which is not good. But uh, it, was, it wasn't like a help me, help me. It was more like a, I'm in a hysterical like, state of emotion kind of scream. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so I get closer, and my brother finally sees me, and he comes over. His, his cheeks are, are uh, striped with tears, and he's just bawling. And I was like, what's going on, man? 
He's like, oh my God, you promised not to be angry with me. And I was like, what? Yeah, absolutely. Tell me what's going on. And he's like, I think I lost a family dog. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and like the, the, the fork in the road that the previous storyteller just talked about, we can go this way and that way. Uh, And so, you know, I'm the big brother. You know, I could tell him the story from the other man's perspective. Is, you know, I'm the big brother. He's in an altered state. He's already crying. So, (laughs) so being the kind brother I am, I retort with, "You did? You lost the dog." He's like, I don't know what happened. I was, I let him off the leash like I do every time. I was sitting here right in the corner, right here, and I was just uh, eating sandwiches. If you guys ever watch How I Met Your Mother, eating sandwiches. Uh, I was eating sandwiches, and all of a sudden I look up, and he's gone. And I was like, this cannot happen. Like, mom and dad are going to be so pissed off. He's like, I know. Can you help me find him? Can you help me find him? I was like, yeah, I, I guess, but which way do you go? He's like, I don't know. I have no clue. I have no idea. And so immediately I start, you know, walking off. I'm like, Bronson, Bronson. And he's, he continues screaming. He's running down the road. And, uh, you know, he goes the opposite direction. So really I'm like, Bronson. All right. You know, so I was like, how long do I keep this up? And uh, so I don't know how much time rolls by. It seemed like an eternity because I was having a great time. But, uh. But you know what, I, I, like, I just kind of stay still, and, and Zach comes back, and he's like, do you have any idea where he's at? And I was like, maybe we should check home. <laughs> and he's like, really? Really? Why? Why? I'm like, well, because when I came out here, he had returned already. <laughs> and, I, and I said it. I said it just like that, too. I was just not, I was like looking off. I was like, because he already came back. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know. Wait. What? And I'm like, yeah, man, he, uh, he scratched on the door about, I don't know, two hours after you left. And I answered, you weren't there. So, you know, I came out looking for you. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? I was like, you know, and uh, he's like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, yeah, I, it was too good to pass up. <laughs> Just too good to pass up. And so uh, he finishes wiping his tears. And he's like, I will never speak to you ever again. <laughs> and he was dead serious. So I knew he, he probably would have, you know, right away. But, um, but yeah, moral story is, I mean, there is no moral. Sometimes the moment is too good to pass up and you just. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our story party, Jessica Holmes, that's me, Anna Dimitriadis, Kylie Krill, and Zach Borman as well as studio guides Elizabeth McKetta and Kate Riley. Theme song music and podcast production are by the Jesus Christ-like bearded superstar Dan Costello. Hear more at hearcostello.com. Our partners include Boise State Public Radio and Neighborhood All-Stars. Join us on the podcast next week for the second stab at Betrayed. Learn more at storystorynight.com. (laughs) 